All right, as, as, uh, as Nate shared, we are continuing in the book of Romans. And uh, like I've often shared, and I probably always will anytime we're in the, in the middle of something, is you know, we're more than halfway done this one, but it's like showing up late to an event that goes from six to nine. It's like showing up at eight, right? If, you, if you're coming into this and you're like, what's going on? And um, here, here's the thing. Romans 11 is actually like a conclusion to what I would say like the first big chunk of Romans. Romans 12 is going to like major shift. So we're, we're basically like the third episode to the end of the season. Right? It's getting good. Any TV series watchers? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you were just praising the Lord. That was a lot of hands. <laughs> but I, I would say it's probably like the fourth season, right? You can break it down further. But um, it's building towards really what's a song at the end. So I would imagine, I haven't seen the breakdown, but it's probably two or three more weeks. So here's a recap. Like any good episode, do not hit the skip intro button. I know there's a temptation. Apparently people watch shows. <laughs> Um, but we're building on Nate's message last week in Romans. Um, last week, you guys remember his points? His, his five points? Yeah. Anybody? Okay, I, I should ask you. You might not remember. You remember. All right. What's, what's one of them? It doesn't have to be in order. Yeah, God did not reject his people. God did not reject his people. Number two? No looking at notes. Cheaters! It is open book. <laughs> Any book. It's a good thing if you take notes. Uh, I do it digitally because I lose paper. Uh, but God always has a remnant of real ones. That means there's always people who are hanging in there. There's always people who are, who are they haven't given up. Number three. Yeah, God chooses people based on grace, not by works. And I'll go ahead and read the final two. Christ is the righteousness of God. And God gave them what they wanted. You're caught up. Bottom line in Romans, Paul's instructing Christians in Rome to live out their faith. No matter where their background is. Whether they're, they're Gentile, which means they're kind of out of the world. They don't really have a nation. Or they're Jews, the, the nation of Israel. And uh, he's basically saying through the Jews who were chosen, they've messed up. And now it's opened up the gate because Jesus has come and saved everybody. Uh, anybody know what grafting is? You guys, we heard it in the text. Yeah? All right. Way to go. Grafting. And it's not to be confused with graphing and math, right? It's grafting. And if you don't know what it is, you're going to find out. Today's message is entitled Grafting, Gardening, and Grace. Grafting, Gardening, and Grace. Final points, I, I'm not as good as Nate. I couldn't come up with five, so I got three. Number one, you are or can be today grafted into Jesus. Number two, God is gardening you. Number three, it's all grace. And you need to lean into that. Let me pray as we walk into the text. God, may your word jump higher in our thoughts than anything else. God, you know where I am. You know where all of us are. It's, it's been a tough couple weeks. It's been, there's just a lot going on. And in many ways, God, you know, I feel like I'm not connected to you as well. I feel like I'm not there. But God, you can use stuff. It's not about us. And so I pray that you would you'd really lift up your word, uh, allow the, uh, the fact that your thoughts are greater than mine and, and your ways are greater than mine to, to really propel our thoughts 
in, in what I talk about in this text. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What, I, I don't know if folks, have, there's a handful of you guys have preached in here. And anytime the scripture's read and it's like four slides, you're going, oh man, how am I going to get through this? Uh, I think it's going to go a lot faster. Uh, at least it did when I was probably, the, uh, this was fun. So, verse 11. Again, I asked, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? He's talking about they as Israel. The first, Nate was going over in those five points, a perfect summary. Like, it, 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 it literally, well, this verse literally said, did they stumble so that they fell? And basically, fell contrasts stumble. One guy, a commentator, says that it wasn't a permanent fall, but it was stumbling. And it served two purposes. One, to offer salvation to the Gentiles, and two, to make Israel envious. That's kind of weird. Like, envious? Are you kidding me? If you go back to Romans 11.1, 1, the first verse that Nate covered, it said, I asked them, did God reject his people? No, he, that was his first point. He didn't reject his people. And so here, it's, it's they're stumbling, but they're, they've not fallen. You know, like, I've fallen and I can't get up. Some of you old people know that that button or whatever that they advertise for years. This whole idea, though, jealousy, they, they haven't fallen, but the, the whole idea of jealousy or envy, that, man, that's weird, right? Like, why would it say that salvation's come to make Israel envious? This is actually connected to what was read in chapter 10, verse 19. It says, again, I asked, did Israel not understand? Didn't they understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious. Moses says this to them. I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And that is a quote, a direct quote from the last words we hear of Moses. The song of Moses in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32. It, It was recited in front of all of Israel. And so this is kind of a prophecy lived out. Like, I'm going to make you envious of these other countries. And here we see that. It's to make them envious and it's to open the doors, not to shut them down. So in some ways it's a prophecy. And yet it's an irony because he's saying, I'm going to make you envious of them. And yet he's including them. So it's a casting out that's actually bringing people in. See what God did there? Yeah. Romans eleven twelve. we continue. But in their transgression, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will, be, will their full inclusion bring? So he's saying, now there's riches for the Jews and for the Gentiles, right? He's saying, yeah, the, the transgression, what they've done, it, it means riches... For everybody else, right? Because Israel's fallen, so everybody else gets gets picked up. This will come back in next week when we look at verse 25, because it's going to talk about that. But one of the things you have to see in this and understand is the riches in this world, or riches for the world, is not like the physical world, but it's the people. So when he's saying world, it's the people who are not Jews. You can throw that scripture up there if you want. I think that might be helpful. Um, I'd rather people daydream looking at the Bible than, you know, not. What? I was daydreaming? But the world, he talks, um, it's not the physical world, but it's the humankind. So here Paul pivots 
from the Jews to the Gentiles. So Nate was talking about the Jews last week. And really, also all of Romans is talking about these two groups. It's Jews and anybody else who's not. So verse 13, he says, I'm talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry. Other passages say, I magnify my ministry or I glorify my ministry in the hope that I might somehow arouse my own people to envy. What? And save some of them. So check this out. The word envy there, it's saying the Gentiles too. Could it be that what he's talking about with the Jews really has to do with the zeal of other people? Zeal meaning the passion they have. And he's saying, I want my own people to have passion for this thing. I think so. I really do. Now, obviously, causing people to envy, as Moses said, and, and one of the nations that makes sense, but I think this goes a little deeper and says, it's a good thing to want God. It's a good thing to want what other people have. In other words, being one with God. The hope for Paul, because as you remember, Paul was a super Jew, if you had a category for such. And yet, in Acts 9.15, when he converts to Christianity, he's called to go first to the Gentiles. You got this Jew guy who's been killing all these Gentiles. Like, you're no good, or anybody who's following Jesus, you're no I'm gonna, we're killing them. And yet he was the one who went to them. I don't know about you, but that would be scary. And there's world events right now you can put yourself into some bad guy coming at people and saying, no, I'm here for Jesus. That would be nuts. That's crazy. But remember, it's about being saved for him. He says, it's not just about their passion, but it's about some actually being saved. Next verse, if the rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Okay, think about this. Has anybody lost somebody really close to them? They died. I mean, how much would you give to see them brought back to life? Life from the dead. That's what you believe in if you believe in Jesus. That's crazy. And yet it's beautiful. And it's what's happened and will happen. And he's saying reconciliation to the world, to the people of the world. They're going to be, you're going to be brought back to life. I, I don't know, I think the resurrection becomes something we're just familiar with. Like, oh yeah, there was an empty tomb. <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. That's why they, they, people thought Christians were crazy. They did. Like, you, re you really believe that? it's a miracle it's a miracle and I think that miracle sometimes we lose sight of you know it's like oh my gosh I got the parking space right near where I was trying to go and we think that's a miracle <laughs> life from the dead if we're not amazed by that we ought to just cause ourselves to pause and think about it. If, if part of the dough, and this is cool, this is like a mixed metaphor. If part of the dough offered as fruits, first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Okay, so we've got dough, 
He's going to go talk about olive trees. He's got olives. He's got fruit, batches, roots, and branches. What do you make of that? That's, it sounds like one of those uh, Mad Libs, you know, pick out a, uh, a noun and it's just it's random things thrown together. It's not so random. First, he's talking about dough. And the dough is related to the batch. The whole batch is holy. And he says this word first fruits. And you're like, dude, who puts fruit in dough? That's nasty. First fruits, when they thought of that, it was really the first thing they offered to God. Uh, some would say best. I would say first. My whole philosophy, if I can just hit a pause button on the message, my philosophy of giving offerings is not so much about how much, but first fruits. I remember when I was a pastor at a church and we ta- I talked, everything's about first fruits. It's about cutting off the top. What is first? I don't think God cares as much about how much as he does about whether it's first. Now that sounds like, oh, I just gave a penny. Yeah, but it's the first thing you give. And for me, I've got like bills that just kind of go out. You know, it's like, oh, it's on auto. Yeah, did we pay time? Yeah, yeah, we did that. But I think there's a premise of just saying, what's first? What am I really pulling out first? Or is it leftovers, right? That's the opposite of first fruits. Leftovers. Some bruised banana. All right, here you go, God. I think that's a, a really important thing to grasp. It is about a giving heart, but I really think that, that phrase, first fruits, when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, that's what it's about. I don't love passing plates, but if I was going to pass anything, it'd be a basket. It'd be a fruit basket. Because I think there's power in that, understanding that. I don't know if you garden, but this message is going to be about it. I'm kind of coming back into it. But when you, when you get that first cucumber or zucchini, or whatever, I mean, that's a big deal. You're going, ooh, what if you just gave it to the dogs? No, it's your first one. You're like, hey, let's have a feast. That's interesting when you can give that to God. So there's that premise there. And so first fruits, whenever it's first fruit, that means it's the one set apart. It's holy. So when he says the dough is holy, and Jesus, when Jesus comes in, everything's holy. Wherever Jesus is, everything's holy. The whole batch is holy. Now, again, this is kind of a cool mixed metaphor transition because he kind of goes from dough, the bread of life that Jesus calls himself, to the vine and the branches in an olive tree, which I don't think of olives as fruit, but it's a a fruit tree. It produces some sort of fruit. And so he says this first fruit transitions into the root is, if the root is holy, if the root is holy, if the vine is holy or the trunk is holy, so are the branches. So, verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though wild, though a wild olive shoot, wild, that's key word there, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. You following? It's just a, it's a metaphor, it's a picture, he's talking about trees. It's springtime, you see him budding. It's perfect time to, to be reading this. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Now, here's the weird thing. It says branches are broken off. They didn't just fall off, but they're intentionally broken off. 
John 15, 1 through 15, it's a great passage. I encourage you to read it in light of this. But I mean, he says such branches are cut off, thrown to a, a pile to be burned. Now, I will say this. I, I think in this, you've got branches that are set aside into a pile. Let's just pause there. And I don't mean, to, uh, you know, while you're breathing, you still got life left in your branch. Okay? This isn't like, oh, you know, they're all going to like crumble and you can break them with a, a quick snap. That's not how it is. But he's saying some are broken off. Grafting. Grafting is where you take a branch, right? Um, any volunteers? Yeah? You want to stand up right there? Just stand up right here. Anybody else? One more. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. He's close. Come on over here. You're going to have to come on. I'll yell for you online, people. <laughs> now the microphone's back here. You can't see it. I'm like, all right, here. Sorry, guys. It should be here. Um, okay, so you stand right here. Okay. Here's our root for our uh, vine. Okay. When I grab something, I got a. I've got a branch that's going to go right here. Okay. But to graft it properly, I actually have to cut here so that this piece is like kind of clear. It's ripped off right when it's shaped down. It's going to fit right in there. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. You'll see why I did just that in a second. And it takes two, right? You've got a solid vine trunk, and then you've got this branch that goes in there. Some smarty pants guys in this peer-reviewed journal from Purdue says deliberate grafting involves inserting a previously cut shoot, so Matt's was kind of cut, into an opening in another plant growing on its own root system. The bud cut from the donor plant will grow into the upper portion of the grafted plant. I forget your name, my man. Anthony? So, Matt's arm would grow into Anthony's trunk. And they become one. Right? And who's the one given the life? The trunk. Anthony is. And so that's, I mean, I'm not even saying anything about Jesus now. And y'all are getting it. Isn't that cool? It's just so simple and obvious. It's a, uh, grafting, here's the thing. Grafting takes intentionality. Grafting takes intentionality. So when God has done that, it's intentional. It's not just an accident. Oh, now can grafting happen like that? Yeah, it can. You know, two trees kind of coming together. They get cut by something, whatever, some squirrel gnaws on them, and they connect. And yeah, they can, they can form things. It, Romans, let's go to verse 19. <clears throat> You will say branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Don't be arrogant, but tremble. Now, that word tremble is kind of scary. Like, what? Some texts say fear. Well, it doesn't help. Some say be off in awe of God. Be in awe of God. That's a holy fear. So just pause and consider the resurrection. Consider the creation. Consider these things. He's saying, don't be arrogant, but be in awe. It, it reminds me of that great quote I love. I preached here two years ago on this. 
Be not proud, Charles Spurgeon says, of race, face, place, or grace. Oh, I'm grafted in. What about you? Oh, you're not grafted into anything. (laughs) We don't be proud of our grace. Nor do we be ashamed of our grace. Nor do we be ashamed of our race or our face. And you ugly. That's how God created me, man. Sorry. (laughs) And if you're pretty, then don't be proud of that either. Place. Oh, I live here. My wife tells me this morning, some, somebody posted a picture of their first home, and they said, what a dump. My wife said, it's nicer than our current house. <laughs> a little proud there, she was. Frankly, I'm kind of proud of my house, so <laughs> I don't know. But don't be ashamed either. I mean, that's, that's the idea here. He says, don't be arrogant, but tremble. Don't be arrogant, but just in holy fear. Consider what you have. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell. Now it does say some fell, which it doesn't consistent with that first verse, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, uh oh, you'd be cut off. Now I don't want to go to eternal security issues, theological. You can talk to me about that later, but I want to just focus on the fact of the grafting. That's the idea. Now, to cut was a significant term because cutting in the Old Testament was like an agreement. So you cut a lamb, right, and, and, and there would be blood shed. They had these things called treaties back then. I mean, we have them today too, but covenants. And when you would make a deal with another country, you would cut a covenant. And we would actually cut an animal we take the two sides and we would walk through it. So we were walking through blood because that covenant was sealed with blood. And if you break the covenant, then you're going to get blood. I mean, that's kind of the, the literal aspect of it. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So to, for here now to say cut, it's totally different. Instead of cutting Well, it's actually very similar. Cutting to to bring together a treaty. Here, Anthony was cut. The trunk, the vine was cut. Do you see the connection with Jesus? He was cut to be able to allow others to graft in. Jews were already part of the, 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 the trunk, the tree. They were already there. They were his. They didn't have to be grafted in. But the Gentiles become, and when they graft in, they're just as part of the tree as any other branch. Over time, you can't even tell the difference. You're like, oh, oh, that branch was grafted. How did you do? Wow, that's amazing. And if they, continuing in verse 23, if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. Oh, interesting. If they don't persist in unbelief, talking about the Jews here. They will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Remember I said they're thrown into a pile, and they're not dead yet. They can still be grafted in. And that's great news. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that's wild by nature, okay, so the Gentiles are wild. This is just some wild olive tree growing out in the middle of the field versus the Jews. It was an intentionally planted tree through Jesus, whether or not they realized it. If you're a wild tree... 
uh, you're grafted into a cultivated olive tree, one that was cared for, like the Jews, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Here's the thing. If somebody, uh, a Jewish person you know, comes back to faith or comes to faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who saved them, it's going to be, they're going to be connected so easily because they already have that background. They're already part of a cultivated olive tree instead of a wild one like we are. I know you're wild, some of you. It's easier for, for a branch that's already the same type of tree that the trunk is than for some other species. So if you look at this whole section of text, see, that went pretty fast, I think, right? Didn't it? Or did I not do all of it? Well, we'll see. As I look at the whole section of text, text there's, there's only really like two or three commands. So the rest of it's just describing something. You're like, oh, thanks for the story. But there are some commands if you look in there. And I think when we read scripture, we should look for those. You know, that, what, what, okay, what am I supposed to do? Well, this is specific. It says in verse 20, don't be arrogant, but tremble. Remember, be not proud and holy fear and awe. That's a command. In verse 22, he says, consider, that's actually a verb, consider the kindness of God and the sternness of God, which I would say is also holy fear. And then he says, and continue in his kindness. Church, if there's anything I learned from this study of the book of Romans was when I preached last year on Romans 2, it was right after you, you hit the repentance, uh, kindness leads to repentance. It is that our world needs Christians to be kind. That means you're kind to the people in your home, the people at work, your neighbors, even if they put their trash can in front of your property. Ugh, I, I mean. We've lost any influence. You guys are talking about apologetics. We've lost any influence because we're not kind. And so often in scripture, these, these lists, and you know what the lists often say? To do those things to other believers. I don't know all the science behind everything that's gone on with a vaccine. I don't understand the dynamics of why gas is 520 and we have all these opinions. And you probably won't know where I actually sit on it. But I'll tell you what, how I talk about it will be far different than some people who are just angry and bitter and all this stuff. And the thing that we can learn more than anything else is that we ought to be kind. Now, I hate the word. If somebody were like, oh, he's kind, it'd be like, oh, he's nice. It just seems like a pathetic word, right? Like, oh, oh, he's nice. Mm, he's kind. But I really believe that is the heart of what we need to be in today's day and age. If I could plaster it on, it's like, just be kind. And you know what? As you were talking about the salt and light thing, people notice if you're a Christian. And I think they ought to. But for as much as they notice that, they put a magnifying glass on it. And they look for anything that you do wrong. And I guarantee you, the easiest thing to find that they do wrong is their kind. 
I know a lot of people get an autograph by somebody or, you know, this famous person. They have one little interaction with this famous person. They're like, they were a jerk. It's like, they're seeing like thousands of people, you know, like you, when you give autographs, Nate. <laughs> Pretty soon. But that's the, that's the idea is we, we judge so quickly. We ought not to, but that's a reality. And so for us, we've really got to be careful. Please, brothers and sisters, but let me first say, I'm sorry. Because as a Christ follower, I have had moments where I've not been kind. And I'm ruining it for you. I am sorry. And if you're in that same boat like me, and you don't get it, please stop. We're trying to spread the cause of Jesus in this world. We're trying to live out the gospel. And when you're a jerk, it doesn't help anybody but the devil. Please stop. Kindness leads to repentance. It's crazy if you think about it. If I'm kind to somebody, they can turn to Jesus. Oh, it was really nice to them. And they just praise God. Now, that's pretty far-fetched. I think apologetics is worth it. (laughs) And, man, we could could blow a whole bunch of stuff in one one little move. Now, I I don't mean to be, you know, like, oh, we got to be perfect. We certainly have to walk in a grace that leads and leads with kindness. And it's a command. He says, consider it, but then also continue in it, in his kindness. Okay, so fruit, fruit trees, I'm almost done here. Fruit trees, you need to prune, prune them. And you do so just after the grafted branch meets the trunk, right? So there's typically on a branch, right? So Matt's arm right where his hand was, sometimes you got like three leaves. This is a fruit tree. You got three leaves. And when you go to prune it, you cut it just above where those three leaves are so you keep them on there. Okay? So you cut it right there and and then it'll grow more. And and the reason I know some of this is in in addition to doing a bunch of research with Smarty Pants, I have this really cool apple tree at home. And it's got four branches. All four are different types of apples. It's really, really neat. They were all grafted in before I got it, but it's, it's so cool. And, and it actually goes out on two strands. So if I was the branch, right, there'd be two going this way, and then there'd be two coming off my head. And the, those are four, right? And, and I've got this line that goes, uh, it's actually a fishing wire, a pretty strong fishing wire, and I wrap the branch, and it just goes along. And I got these fruit, right, these little three-piece branches or three leafed branches that I cut. I keep the little leaves there so that it'll grow. So it'll grow. And it's so cool, right? And it's, it's just growing and growing out and growing out, and it's like super far. They call it an espalier. Uh, it's a technique that, that actually started with Romans way back when. And, and they, they made it into an art. So you can actually see people who've made trees and do like these really cool things. They train them. It's called espalier. Uh, if you think about a lot of vineyards, grapes, and all these things have these types of things. Here's the coolest thing I found. The word espalier comes from an Italian word, which, again, Rome kind of connects. Spalaria, which means something to rest the shoulder against. Now Matt's hand went on Anthony's shoulder, and eventually it would be grafted. 
so we need to put ourselves and rest on Jesus' shoulder. So we might be not only grafted, but stronger. Stronger. It's a simple reading. Right where the head meets the body, so we need to be connected. Over time, it creates this branch that looks like it's always been connected to the trunk. And that branch actually becomes the trunk. It takes time. It doesn't take work. But it needs to stay connected. And ultimately, it is up to the trunk to grow into it. We just need to have that resting on the shoulder of Jesus the Christ. It it sounds like our relationship with him because just resting on his shoulder is hard. Sometimes we get pruned to where we feel like there's only like three leaves left. I don't know if God's been gardening you, but there's still leaves alive on you. There are seasons and times when we get pruned. It's wild. The craziest part of all this that I learned was that you have to cut the main branch, the main trunk, to connect the branch. You have to cut the main trunk. Jesus was cut for you and I. It took the cut that he took on to enable us to come into him. We need to lean into him, and that's simply if there's an action to do. I mean, you, you read it, right? The only action to do really is, is be kind <laughs> and read scripture and pray. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science, but it is hard. It's really hard. You, my friends, were meant to produce fruit. You were meant to produce food, fruit. That's why you're here. It takes gardening. By God to do it. So if God's gardening you and putting you through a hard time and cutting, cutting you down to whatever's left, then guess what? Maybe God wants to do something great through you. And that gardening could be situations. That gardening could be impressions on your mind or heart. That could be relationships that either need to be formed or broken. I don't know. But it's gardening. And yet, it's all by grace. You go, oh, what do I got to do? What do I got to ah, It's by grace, ultimately. We just have to put ourselves in that position. We have to put ourselves in a place to be grafted. We have to put ourselves, make ourselves available to be pruned. Because maybe you feel like you're in that, that pile of branches that still does have life in them. You can be grafted. You might feel like you're just pruned down to nothing. Maybe you don't have three leaves left. You've got one. But you know what? That's life. And people see that little baby. Look at the leaf. There's hope. Plants go through things in seasons. Uh, We think of four seasons based on the location that we find ourselves on this earth. But life seasons are way different. It's not winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's, this person just died in my life. It's, I got a new job, or I'm jobless, or I'm doing really well in in the relationship I have with so-and-so. The seasons are unpredictable, but there are seasons So, I think each of us is in one of three seasons, and that's kind of the title as I conclude. Some of you, maybe you're being grafted 
You're in this grafting season where you need to connect to Jesus or reconnect to Jesus. Understanding the resurrection and the power of that and what led to the resurrection, the cutting of Jesus on the cross. As we, we are in this Lenten season anticipating the resurrection Sunday of Easter, Think and dwell on that. Allow Jesus to really graft you into himself. Some of you guys are being, you're, you're being gardened. And, and you feel pruned way too much. You have very little sh- fruit to show for it. I encourage you to rest in Jesus. Rest in whatever, however many little leaves you have left. Because people see him still. And Great things will grow out of it. Understand that the gardener still gardens. God is still at work and he's still gardening. It's not like he just let the thing go. There's intentionality to it. And it's all out of love. And maybe you're not in a season, you know, it's just kind of, you just are. Well, live into the grace. Live out your kindness. Be the fruit of that is seen and not arrogant. Have a holy fear of God and lean into that espalier so that you may discover the branch that you truly, truly are. The last thing I'm going to ask you to do today is just think about, for a moment, where, where am I? I'm in the grafting phase? Am I being gardened? Or am I walking in grace? And what I'm asking you to do is to tell somebody before you leave this room. I want you to verbalize it. If you're you're in the grafting phase especially, I encourage you to talk to Nate, myself, anybody else who's still up here. Uh, Please, please, don't, don't allow the Holy Spirit's work in this moment to go wasted just because you gotta hurry up and go catch whatever you have to catch. Let me pray. God, it... It is an honor to be a branch on you, the vine. And yet it's overwhelming. This life just keeps, the wind is, is blowing. It's hard just to lean on your shoulder. It's hard to, to see things cut out of our life. Things that we thought we, well, things we liked, frankly. And God, we need, we need your help. God, help us to live into the kindness that you so want us to. And may that kindness first be shown to our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what they think, whether different than us or not. Help us, God, to live in holy fear of you and walk in the grace that you've given us and the grace that really is the only thing we can ultimately depend on because it's, it's all up to you. Thank you for this time and for your word. Go with us. Help us, God, to live it out no matter where we are, in whatever season of life we find ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.